everybody. Hey, welcome, welcome to the Texans Take. All right. Well, current event in pardon current events in Texas and the world. So, what's going on in Texas right now is they're actually fighting. Um, they're actually fighting Biden bills right now to actually get the uh, get the Trump wall actually put up. Hmm. That's what I was reading today. Anyway, I guess it could be wrong, but it's what I read. Well, they had a good portion of it. Actually. They had a good portion actually going, and um, I think Biden's trying to stop the building. And you know, since all you know, recently there's been a huge surge in immigration towards the U.S. Oh yeah, and course. Texas is just like, oh my gosh, we got to slow it down or stop it or something. Hey, that Trump wall is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's uh, that's what I read was going on in Texas today. Anyway. So uh, anyway, well, um, do you want to introduce our guest, Brig? I do, I do. So uh, introduce our guest, Brig. Am I the guest? You're not the <laughs> guest. So we have we have on with us Mike Nelson, and uh, I've known Mike probably, I'm going to say, seven years, Mike. Is that correct? Because it was right it was before I left, years. seven or eight years. Ten years, bro. Ten, Ten years. years. Okay, okay. Years, I was wow. trying to think how when, how long you were there before before I actually moved to North Carolina, but um, so that's yeah, that's that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but he is uh, he's in. You're actually in Gun Barrel City, right? You actually live in Gun Barrel City, or kind of in between that I and Maybank. Uh, no, I live in Eustis, uh, Texas, which is up from Athens. It's about ten miles from Maybank, Texas, where the church is at. Okay, okay. Eustis, is that a suburb of Athens? No. We're out in the country. It's its own little town. And Athens is a town about 15,000, and Eustis is about 900. So it's just <laughs> the closest. Athens is just the closest big town. About that size, then you go about uh, 30, 40 miles from Athens. You're in Tyler, Texas. Yeah, yeah. I was asking because I've. I've been to Tyler several times, and, um, and I've been to Athens a time or two, and used to sound familiar, um, but uh, uh, that helps me, you know, pinpoint understand where you are. <clears throat> and I, I, I want to, yeah, you just like saying Gun Barrel City, though. I, yeah, I love yeah, saying that it's like oh Gun Barrel City. Come on, that's, that, like, that's the most Texas town it, name. It is. Have. I mean, I'd almost lived there just for a week, just so I could say that I've lived in Gun Barrel City, Texas. You know. <laughs> And you and uh, I know we just said this, but you're actually preaching it. You said rope catch and ride for Christ. Is that did I get it right? You did. Our, okay. our brand is RC2. Rope catch and ride for Christ. I like, I like it. it. In Gun Barrel City. Uh, we well, it's in there. It's in no, Maybank. It's in, oh, okay, okay. Maybank. So there's a couple of different churches that you you ride to. Is that correct? <laughs> What now? I said there's a couple of different churches that you go that you that you preach at. Is that correct? No. Uh, no. No. Uh, no. Just, just the one. Church. Yeah, just the one. Uh, oh, okay. I, I I do go to Wyoming and uh, I know some folks up there. And I, I preached in Wyoming. I preached all over Texas before we settled down at a church. And then the first church I pastored was uh, was in Madisonville, your hometown. Uh, Crossroads Catholic Church, and that was in 2011. And, and uh, then we got here at this church in 14, and we've been here seven years. Okay, okay. 
for some reason I thought you uh, for some reason I had the idea that you were a circuit preacher. I, I think no, that no, was I think no, we were no. talking about someone else. I oh was, oh oh yeah we were. Sorry about that. Got you mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> we've been a, we've been laying out guest speakers for the last couple weeks, so I know lines have been crossed to people that we have set up to. Lions to come on have the been show. crossed. <laughs> oh. yeah. Uh, well played. Anyway. Well, that's cool. That's really cool. So, hey, uh, what's going on with you, Briggs? Other than, uh, you know, hitting hit, hitting record months at work? Not hey, a whole lot. that's pretty good. It is. It is. That is. It's something to praise God for. Looking, uh, looking up, you know, as long as we keep climbing that ladder. Uh, yeah. And March is generally a good month, I think, all around for most businesses. Uh-huh. You know, everybody's everybody's coming out of, out of spending money on Christmas and... So if you did bad in March, that'd be really, really, really bad. Yeah, doing well, good I in mean, March is good. You know, I've I've known people that have been in the business for a long time that had a had a bad March last year oh. for the first time, maybe you know forever. Okay, and it was because of all the stuff with uh, Corona. Yeah, yeah. Well, kind of put damper on the world. Those didn't shutdowns, it? you know. Well, that's like you know my area. Yeah, it shut down all of the dealerships. In the Tri-County area, except Transylvania, because Transylvania didn't shut anything down. Yeah. You know, so we only had a good March last month, you know, thank the Lord, because, you know, all the, the people that needed cars that were would have normally gone somewhere else didn't have an option to go somewhere else. Yeah. And so they ended up, you know, coming to us, and I, I can't tell you how many last March that it was just like, well... We normally do business over there, but they're shut down, you know, and, and most of them were people that, you know, had had a car accident. They needed a car. So it was kind of a blessing to be able to say, yeah, we're, we're still open. We're here. We're ready. You know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of churches been that way, too. Well, not a, a lot of churches, but a few churches have been that way. Yeah, I guess. How, how was how was all that for y'all, Mike? We uh uh, we shut down, which I'll never do again, uh, for about three weeks. Then we went back. Uh, we didn't social distance. We didn't mask up. We just told them to come as they are, and we've been that way for over a year now. That's, Sounds that's good. That's awesome. Sounds Yeah, good. everybody in this area was like churches were shut down for months. There's really. still churches that are yeah. shut down pretty much. We had, uh, we had an order. We What's that? We did online. I mean, but that that was that was it. And I told them again. I said that ain't happening. I mean, they can come put the handcuffs on me, but I'm not doing it again. So. Yeah. Well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, we've always met. There was a a month or so or two, however long, where we were meeting out of uh, somebody's uh, uh, one of our congregation's living room, but this congregation was still meeting, at least a large body of it. Um. But, uh, um, but yeah, we actually had a, we had a, an old couple, really old couple come in kind of partway through the service. Yes. Uh, well on Sunday anyway, and they couldn't hear anything and they, you know, they kind of left early. Um, but I went back there to talk to them a little bit before they left and they were saying, you know, they they went to, um, I think, First Presbyterian or something like that. Um, been going there since I was three or something like that. And wow. anyway, uh, they only allow, I think she said something like two people in the service at a time or something like that. 
Wow. Whatever it was, it was ridiculous enough for her to, her and her husband to at least find a church to come to. And I'm sorry that we couldn't keep them through the service. They couldn't hear a thing. Yeah. They, they both had hearing aids in both ears. They but. did. And I mean, I, I felt bad for them because I was sitting right in front of them. And yeah. I was going to, uh, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, well, you know, I'll wait for a moment to actually try to say hi to them. That wasn't in the middle of interrupting everybody. Yeah. Uh, and that was hard to do when they ended up, you know, starting to get up, I was going to follow him, and I saw you getting up, and I was like, yeah. Nah, I'll... Yeah. Being, being a new elder and all. Right. <laughs> I know it wouldn't normally be, you know, wouldn't normally have been a problem, except that it was in the middle of Martin's sermon. Yeah. And so, you know, you couldn't, you could hear the sermon just fine, but you were so distracted by their, you know, loud talking, you know, they're, they're deaf, pretty much, so you couldn't, you know, you couldn't really tell them anything and they couldn't hear each other's so they had to speak up yeah stuff. i almost wish we I had some kind of way to like give like headphones or something yeah you know yeah and and we ought to you know for future come up with some sort of uh i think so too that uh, and you wouldn't need many no you know? just uh, i mean i remember like when my my grandfather my mom's dad was was getting to that point mm -hmm. and re he refused to get hearing aids but instead of like turning the tv up to like extremes and letting everyone else have to put up with that he got this little device that literally it was two headphones one for for him and and gamals and and they could literally you could have the tv turned off for everyone else so they could have conversations and have fun or yeah. whatever and it was just right there in their that their ear yeah and i wish i could i'll, I'll have to find what those were and see if we can at least get a set for the church yeah to try yeah. to facilitate that it was one of those things where it's like they, you know, they come in and they sit in the very, 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 very back of the church. And now, I, can't, about, I can't say anything about that because they came in super late. They did come in late, and but, so you know, like, they're hard of hearing. Yeah. They knew that was going to be an issue, and they sit in the back of the church, and I'm thinking, ah, just sit in the front, you know, if you can, maybe you can hear a little better. That's just me. I don't know. But I mean, but I wish we could have been a little bit more of a blessing to them in some way. Yeah. And they said they might come back, but I'm I wouldn't put any money on it. Yeah. So anyway, that's what's going on with us. Hey, I think we're gonna take a little bit of a break right here, and then we're gonna get into the word of God. So Mike, stay with us and we'll be right back. All right, All right we, we are, are back. back. So I guess we're gonna go ahead and start reading. So we're on 1 Samuel chapter 17, and uh, um, Mike's read up on this, I believe, and so uh, um, hopefully we'll get some good insight, but we're going to read it first, and it's a long chapter, and I'm not going to try to read um, the whole thing, um, but uh, we're going to just read through bits of it, and Mike, wherever you see fit to stop and talk about something... Do it. Jump in, because that's, that's kind of what we in. do. Is that's, you yeah. know, if there's something that needs to be you know talked about, don't don't feel shy to bring it up. Because we're doing, we're trying wow. to do a couple things here. We're a trying to read God's word, but b we're not just trying to see how fast we can get through it. Though we do like to see some progress, but we're trying to dig into it and like really understand what's going on and uh, have it be more meaningful. Um, so anyway, 
Uh, we'll probably stop a couple of places and talk here or there. And so uh, uh, please stop where you see fit. And I'll, I'll stop if, if I don't hear anything and bring up something to talk about. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and start reading now. So we're in... Uh, um, Can I stop you? Yeah, go ahead. What you got? Yes, please. Indeed. Let's play. Would you uh, would you pray for us? Absolutely, Heavenly Father. I uh, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. I thank you for this great privilege of being able to come boldly to your throne. And we take that lightly, but it's not to be taken lightly. It's to come in humbleness and bow before you. You've given us the Holy Spirit for discernment. It's us that needs to get out of the way. You told us in in Acts 1-8, that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We take that lightly, too. We have no idea how much power we have. The power of discernment comes when we get out of the way and we understand what you've given us. I pray as uh, these two men who have reached out to get your word out in the electronic world, I thank you for that, Father. I pray you bless this ministry. I pray you're protected by the blood of Jesus Christ around the walls and the atmosphere and the ceiling of that room right now. And in this room, you keep Satan and his demons out of here. I pray that you give us clarity. And I pray that people that hear this will finally hear how much you love them, how much you're in control, and how much we can trust you with every part and being that we have in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So... Um, Mike, I don't know what version of the scripture you have, um, but we are reading from. Okay, sounds like me. <laughs> we're reading from the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible, and it's a New King James version. This is a Briggs Bible. It's a, a, a um, Duck Dynasty Bible. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's the one that we're reading from, and uh, I'll go ahead and start. So chapter seventeen. 1 Samuel, David, and Goliath. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Succo, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Succo and Azekah in Ephes, in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet in his hand, and he was armored with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a bronze javelin between his shoulders, now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed six hundred shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all... What's that? 
Let's stop there just a second. Sounds uh, good. Uh, you've got a pitcher in this valley that, that Israel's on one side and the Philistines are on the other. Neither one wants to make a move because if you move the army down into the valley, they're at a disadvantage because of the military. They'll be able to shoot down at them. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm talking with spears and, and what they fought with. So that's why neither one of them are making a move. Yeah. And then if you look at the if you look at the word champion there in verse four, and in, in the Hebrew, what that word means is uh, a man between two armies. So that's why this this Goliath has come down. And if you do the math on you know a cubic in a span, um, he's about nine foot nine inches tall. Yeah. And uh, so he's come down, and what. What I've studied is that Saul was a very large man too, not anywhere near nine foot nine, but he was probably six foot or better, which would have been a, a huge man at that time. Right. So, and of course, as we studied what he's done, Saul likes to talk a lot, but not get in the middle of it. And uh, that that that's what's going on is as he's out there yelling at him, and and you know Saul. Uh, is not real anxious to get get in there, and like nobody would be to go against the nine foot nine fellow. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend uh, of mine that's six foot. He's six foot five, and when I stand next to him, like he's a big old teddy bear. But when you stand next to him, it's just like, Dad, gum, you are big. Like I just sold him a car recently, and I sold him a car that I've never sat there and looked at someone and went, Wow, you don't fit in this car. <laughs> You know, but and and Matt told me. I mean, Matt Matt's a good guy, and like I said, I've known him for years. He's a he's one of my best friends. He's a big old teddy bear, but he's like I've just come accustomed, Brig, that I'm gonna always have to tilt my head to one side in a vehicle. <laughs> well, if you you look at some of these words and, and like in verse ten, it says, "I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Uh, give me a man." And as these men are looking down, they're terrified. Okay? <laughs> I would and, be too. Uh, exactly. They're dismayed. And as when we're going to see David come along, he has a different perspective. But I'd like to share something with you because this is a teaching spot. Oh, please um, do. Uh, if we go back to Genesis 3, after, after they've eaten the apple, or after they've eaten the fruit, and they've hidden themselves, okay, if you recall that. Right. And chapter 3, verse 8, let me just read you something. And it says, And they, which is Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now, keep in mind, they had perfect communication with God. Yeah. And now he hid himself. And he said to them, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I'm afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And this is God's question. And that's what's happening right here, and it's for all of us. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? So when we get into fear, what we usually do is 
we've listened to a lie. We've listened to a, a lie that, that put us into fear to where we have to go hide. And then if we stay in that position long enough, especially us males, fear turns into anger. Yeah. And so when you're hit hiding yourself, you've listened to a voice. And that's what God has said there in the garden. It says, who told you you were naked? Because they never knew they were naked before. And that's when we get into trouble. It's just like they're looking down at this giant right here telling them there is no way that one of us can take care of it. And then you go on with what you, what you got to do. But uh, I'm just telling you that when we get dismayed and terrified, it's usually because we've listened to a lot. Yeah, that is. That's yeah. Yeah, it's accurate. Yeah. 100%. And that right. happens in our daily lives. You know, anything... You know, that you, as soon as you get, you know, discouraged or, you know, you have a a heartfelt or at least you think heartfelt reason to be afraid of something, you know, that's that one moment where you're like, well, and I'm guilty as anybody of sitting there and not letting God handle it and saying, all right, well, I have a reason to be afraid. But if you think about it, you really don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. if God is the sole centerpiece of your life, you know, just like a candle on a table, you know, you're you're not going to be afraid. Right. But we we tend to put that candle on the bookshelf and it's no longer the centerpiece of our life. And and then, right. you know, it's like, well, you you no longer have that candle in the middle of the table when you're sitting around, you know, you know, your 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 dinner table with your family. And, you know, and that's that's a good opportunity for fear to creep in, you know? There you go. There you go. All right, well, I guess I'll keep reading a little bit further. Stop me whenever you see fit. Let's see. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And David was the son of that Ephrathite, of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons, and the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and, pre and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. There's that forty days. That's mm -hmm. used a lot throughout Scripture. Then Jesse yeah. said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp. And carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, or Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. 
For Israel and and the Philistines had drawn up in battle in battle array against uh, army against army, and David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, and they saw the man, uh, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills the king will enrich with great the, the king. Let me start over. Surely he has come to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Oh, <laughs> See, yes. That's nice, but right there, they're, it's like they're almost trying to talk themselves into overcompensating for fear. Right. <laughs> then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I like that already. Already, David is—he's showing boldness. He's like, I mean, who's this uncircumcised, you know, heathen over there, and who does he think he is? And from what I gather from from scripture, and I haven't dug a hundred percent, like really deep into it, but I've just touched on it a couple times. David wasn't a large man. Yeah. No, I don't think he was known for being a large man personality he was well, large but that's about it let's, let's keep in mind what's already been told from us in the previous chapter remember that uh, that samuel had approached jesse because that's where god told him to go when says one of your sons is going to be the next king of israel and he paraded eliab Elm. we're going to a little bit more about him in a second and prayed them all and he says no these aren't them don't you have another one and remember you mean that stinky youngest short little ruddy kid that takes care of the sheep and soon as he walk in the room he said that's hey him. that's him so all, the, all, all the brothers have seen that because Saul anointed him the next king of Israel okay now keep in mind think of you and I if we got anointed as king okay and then we're still messing with stinky sheep okay right and now we've got the servant David that's going back and forth for the battle line taking care of his brothers okay and doing exactly what his father asked him to do let me repeat that doing exactly what his father asked him <laughs> mm -hmm. to do remember he's anointed the next king of Israel and what did Jesus say mm -hmm. in Matthew 23 11 the greatest among you will be a servant okay that's right so here he is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing still taking care of sheep and he rolls up these guys are peeing, they're running pee down their legs, looking at this nine-foot-tall guy, and shaking like a dog passing a peach seed. And he walks up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine messing with my God? Doesn't he know who he's messing with? And that tells us exactly how we should face life, not in our own strength. Remember, his own strength was he's anointed king of Israel, the next king. He is being a servant. He knows who God is. Yeah. That goes back to when we were off here talking about climbing up into his lack and getting to know him. 
Jesus doesn't know us, what are we going to do? Knowing him and spending time with him, because he's available to us 24-7. And so here he is walking up this, this ruddy kid, smelling like sheep, bringing him food, and going, okay, who is this guy? I, he can go down. I've got this. <laughs> yep. It's like the reassurance everybody needed at that very moment. Like everybody's totally in fear, and then this this little runny kid comes up. What are y'all all shaking about? He kind of reminds. No, it's like, don't y'all believe in God and stuff? Yeah, I, don't we believe wow. in like the all powerful guy up there? I mean, what do we have to fear? I feel like he's a bit bigger than Goliath, y'all guys. Yeah, he kind of he kind of reminds me of a Jack Russell Terrier. You know, he's a little guy, yeah. but man, he's got spirit. You know. <laughs> Jumping nine foot off the floor. I had, right. I, I had a Jack Russell rat terrier mix, and I tell you what, out of all the cow dogs I've run, she was the best. Yeah. And I, I, she was small. It does she was not vicious. matter how big the animal is. That I had, dog will attack it. There were, there was a time, and I'll, I'll, I will never forget it, because it was, it was actually one of those times where I'm just, it's kind of like in the, in the den of wolves, and you're like. I hope I make it out of this okay. I had a I had a good right. horse at the time, and he and I, I really I had never let him show his full potential, and that was probably my fault. But I was out feeding one night, and it was at the dead of night. I started late, and that was my fault. But I mean, we're talking pitch black. I didn't even have a flashlight. I'm out there feeding in the middle of feeding. All these horses get into a, an all out just knock down drag out mm. which i happen to be in the middle of <clears throat> i'll have oh, you know joy. yeah and all of a sudden i'm just i'm hearing hooves clank against flesh and i'm just sitting there going it ain't long before i'm next yeah you know and wow. all and all of a sudden I, I have my my horse that i rode you know steadily for years he came up and just stood right next to me as one of the horses kicked and took he took one heck of a beating because that was a big horse. Mm. And then out from the other side, I didn't know someone had let Wheelie out, but apparently she got mm. out of the house and she was right there. And she reached up like as another horse was going around to to kick me, she reached up and grabbed him in the snout and pulled him back the other way. It was like okay, well, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, but glad y'all did, you know. And that's. Yeah, exactly. That's just that's a good example of just being in, in a situation that you have absolutely no control over, and one way or another, it, it's going to come out all right. And one way or another, little Jack Russell is like, yeah, got I, this. she was funky. God's powerful. There were say I, I I quit using the bigger cow dogs after that. Anytime I had I had to go round somebody up, I just took her out with me. Yeah. I was on horseback and she was on ground, and I yeah. could I could give her a signal, and she she'd do a better job than any of them did because they. Every cow and horse I had after that feared her. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let's see. Um, okay. Exempt from taxes. Let's see. Who's this Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, "It uh, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? 
I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you've come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him towards the other and said the same thing. And these people did answer him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with his Philistine. Let me let me stop you right there. Yeah. That's an important point right there in verse 32. Uh, now, first off, like we talked before, oldest brother is, punk, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, get out of here. You go take care of your sheep. The men, well, men are doing things. We don't need you around here. And um, again, we have to remember, David anointed the next king of Israel. Now, 32, when, as he's in front of the king, uh, Saul, uh, and he says, David says, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Now, he didn't say, I will go fight this Philistine. He said, your servant mm-hmm. will go fight this Philistine. Um, and we look at that. And in Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when we're facing a Goliath, we have to understand it's not I who's going to be fighting Goliath. It's I'm going to be a servant, and I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. Right. Not in my strength. And, and, and if we can do that as we face life one day at a time, Instead of trying to get out, the definition of anxiety and fear hangs up. We get out in the future without God. Okay, we get out there and start worrying about what's going to happen. I'll tell you 99.9% of the time, if you're worried about something or anxiety about something, it's something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what God says to stay in today. And Jesus said each day has enough trouble of its own. No kidding. I can, I can vouch for that. It's true enough. So that's the key right there. A lot of people like to make analogies about this fight. But one of the key points is to understand David has, he's been a servant all his life. He's been kicked to the curb, go take care of the sheep, you know. And in a Jewish family, the oldest son gets everything. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. So that's why Eliab looks down his nose at him. Yeah. And so that's. He gets the inheritance. He gets the whole works. And but David continues to be a servant, and that's what we can take from this. He is a servant. Yeah. So uh, grab anything else. Grab that. One thing that I think is interesting about him calling himself a servant here is a servant doesn't usually work with his own tools. A servant doesn't usually do anything with his own things. He uses his master's tools and he uses his master's things that his master gives him. And so um, I think that's a pretty cool analogy here because David's like, you know, um, I'm the one going, yeah, but God's the one who's sending me. And and your analogy right there, if we go down the scripture, will come into play even more. Yeah. I'll go ahead and read a little bit further. Actually, let's let's go ahead and take a break right here. Yeah, we're we'll, going to take a little bit of a break. We'll be right back. 
We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> We're back. So where we left off, we had little old David here. Um, let's see, I'm going to start in 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, um, he's over here um, telling everybody, you know, what, what we got to fear about, you know. These silly Philistines aren't God's people, so we don't need to be worrying about them. Uh, now when the words which, God, which uh, David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. And he sent for David, or for him, when David said, and then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth, and he a man of war for, from his youth. And David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he is defiled seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who uh, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. Was that? Go ahead and start there. Yeah, just a second. Um, as you were mentioning before, a servant will use uh, the owner's equipment. Yeah. But a lot of times the owner's equipment doesn't suit us. Yeah. And uh, we, as we look here, uh, David is serving as a servant to the king, and the king is actually, I can't use the word I want to use, but he's, he's not very uh, courageous. How's that? Yeah. And uh, so he's sending this kid out with five stones and a sling. Now, yeah. a lot of people, why, why five stones? And if you research it a little, there was rumors that there were five brothers that were this big, all from Gap. Uh, uh, line, if you will. Uh -huh. And uh, so they did not know if there were more of these champions going to come out, so he was prepared. And um, as, as we look at that, I think about uh, my good friend, his name's Danny Mingus. He's, uh, we were both ordained at the same Cowboy Church in Tatum, Texas. And uh, 
actually something that I've heard that he had confidence enough in himself that he knew he only needed one stone for each of them. Right. That's it. Exactly. And really and, that relates uh, to he had confidence in the Lord that had yep. given him his abilities that he only needed one stone and that if there was anything else needed God would take care of it. And because Goliath this uncircumcised Philistine had defied the Lord God. Okay, so let's, let's apply to that what's going on today. We look at the government of the United States of America. We've been shaking our fist at God for a very long time. We know better about marriage. Barack Obama instilled gay marriage. Yeah. We know better about babies. We've been offering up babies to the tune of over 60 million now to Moloch. Uh, and we're, we're burning them at the stake. You can call abortion, whatever you want to call it, but that's what's happening. That's what's happening. To the God of convenience or whatever they want to do. We have now tried to identify 9,000 different genders, depending on what, you, if you eat a cheeseburger that day, what you feel like. And we're honoring that. We are defying God, okay? Mm -hmm. So to have no consequences attached to that is, is just an asinine point of view. Judgments come to this country. So how it happens, I don't know. I'm not a prophet. But I do know that you cannot defy the Word of God and expect no response. And this country has been blessed so much because we have followed God's Word and we have been obedient, and we've had the eagles wing over the top of Israel since May 14, 1948, when they became a nation again. Uh -huh. And how blessed have we been because we were obedient to Israel. So as we look at the events unfolding, and we see that we are defying the Lord God, you better hang on to your bootstraps because things are going to get a little rough. All right, well, let's read on a little further. Let's see. Um, so the Philistine, 41. yeah. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with the sword, with the spear, and with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. I love how he gives two different versions of weapons right there. Yeah. You know, the weapons of man yeah. and the weapons of God. Yeah. Right. 
which right. which you know at the end of the day you know kind of what you were saying earlier mike you know that that level of fear that comes into us you know we're scared of weapons of man we're oddly enough not afraid like we should be of the weapons of god true enough what god puts before us that actually will not only destroy us in this lifetime but, but in the eternity next. yeah you know but but we're afraid of what man can do to us today and that's that's why i really respect the apostles like paul and peter who at the end of the day both of them made tremendous mistakes when it came to the faith you right. know peter you know with his grand denying of christ that everyone's heard of and Paul with his, you know, going ahead and persecuting Christians and then coming to the faith. Yeah, he's kind of... At the end of the beating. day, what really changed these men? Was it the mass powers of man and their javelins and spears and arrows? Or was it the actual, the body of Christ yeah. and the holy, yeah. the holy one? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, there's a power well beyond... Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. You're fine. I just, you, uh, it, it's, we're doing the same thing in today's society. We are, we respect man more than we respect God because we've dumbed down the society that a relationship with Jesus Christ is religion. And, and that is the biggest, Jesus came to blow up religion and say, it's all about me. Yeah. You need to come through me. The narrow gate is me. And, and it's not me that you're you're following just to get somewhere. It's me that I want a relationship with you. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heed, I, I've overcome the world. Come to me. This is not your home. You're just passing through. That's the, you've got to understand that the, the, the fifth dimension, if you will, your spiritual being, you're just walking around in that housing called a body. And yeah. don't be afraid what they can do to the body be afraid that if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we quit teaching that. And where does the society go? Yeah. Well, ever since, uh, you know, anytime you have a civilization, and you see it time and time again with, uh, you know, the, the Israelites, you know, every time you have a civilization that falls away from God, what, what's the first thing that happens? You bring the wrath of God upon yourselves and then blame it yeah. on God as if it was his problem to begin with, but it wasn't. The problem was in the heart of man. You know, we are born with that sin nature, and instead of following, you know, God and everything he has set forth for you to follow, we, we just like we divert to that sin nature with all the fear, the heartache, and we, we roll through like that's the normal when, you know, in the New Covenant, you know, we do have Jesus that comes through. And you see shadowings of Christ to come throughout all of the old scripture. And it's like never once did this, you know, did they divert wholly. Obviously, they did at times, you know, to appease the wrath of God. But at the end of the day, they always diverted to that fear, that anger, and everything toward God. Well, we want to blame God for the decisions we made and the consequences we're suffering. And when when he when he reaches out to us, 
these aren't rules and regulations, they're boundaries. And the way I teach it is uh, you can choose to believe God or not. You choose to believe gravity, and, I, you know, when you you can stand on top of a roof and say there is no gravity, but if I tell you, dude, you're going to fall off, it's going to hurt. And uh, well, I choose, that's my ride. I will jump off, go get a broken <laughs> leg. I mean, you, you, you chose to not believe that gravity was in place. Okay, now we adjust our lives to gravity with ladders and and, um, <laughs> and how how we how we do our lives. Yeah, we because we have a respect for gravity. Okay, we and we've lost putting God first that He's in control of everything. And when a society does that, look at through history, it's done. It's over. Yeah, and yeah. you see that every yeah. time. You know the Israel the Israelites. They're a prime example because they fall back every time toward exactly what you said earlier, you know, that fear, that anger, and they want to blame God because they don't even take blaming themselves as an option. It's like, well, we didn't do it. It's, you know, it's God's fault. Well, no, not really. You know, you you brought yourself to this point where God has to bring you back. Have you ever read anything by Jonathan Kahn? I have not. The Harbinger? The Harbinger I have uh, not. He writes about novels. you got to read him. He's awesome. He's got several books out. But The Harbinger, he, he relates to uh, 9-11 as a warning to the United States of America. And and he follows the pattern of Israel. It's exactly the same. Okay. Uh, we were we were struck at the heart of we have made financial uh, life the center point of our life. Anything to get a buck, and where did the, the planes go into? This, the the heart of the world for financial, the twin towers. Yeah. Okay. And that was that was a harbinger, and it was a warning to the United States of America. Okay. Now we can all quote Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people will humble themselves and you know call my name and bend the knee, then I will heal their land. But nobody ever reads uh, back in 13 and 12 and 11 where they've already been through judgment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's a warning right there. And his point is, if you go 19 years into the future, that was 2020. And I think something happened last year, but I'm just guessing. And and then uh, if you look at Israel, as they were killing babies on uh, to Moloch in the, in the uh, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Or in the thousands, okay. God gave that warning. They did not turn. They did not repent. They got worse and worse. You look at the United States since nine eleven. What's happened? We've gotten worse. We've legalized homosexual marriage. We keep shaking our fist at God. At the end of nineteen years, with the Israelites in there, He completely destroyed Jerusalem. Completely, it's gone. Now we killed sixty million babies. So let that marinate a second. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So you didn't need to get me started. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it, that is that that's exactly what you're it's here for. Truth. You know, we're we're here to learn. You know, we're here to to be able to advance ourselves in God's word, and and the more people, the merrier. You know, these kind of conversations, whether whether we want to have them or not. These are things that are not only relevant in the days of the Israelites, but they're relevant today. You know, just like you were saying, you know, we're, we're, we're sacrificing babies 
by the millions, billions, and and the majority of the population don't even, you know, they turn a blind eye as if it's not even happening. I mean, these are conversations yeah. that need to happen because obviously they're not. All right, well, let's read a little bit further. Let's see. Um, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to... I will give the ca carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I like, I mean, oftentimes I've noticed that there tends to be a body count whenever, uh, you know, whenever they're proving that there is a God in Israel. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is Elijah um, and the prophets of Baal. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're, and he, you're tickling my, you're tickling my I know, senses that's right now. That's one of now. my favorite stories. Well, which you don't know, Mike, the first time I was, I was asked to, uh, to do Sunday school. That was, uh, it was kind of one of those things. It was a weird, it was, it was very weird. In fact, because it goes back to a sermon you had, which is why it's really weird that we're talking about this right now. I know. So, um, good it's very good. It's very good. It's very good. So I had, uh, my, my pastor at the time. Now timetable, I was in the middle of going through my divorce. My time was two different jobs. I had minimal time to really, and it's not an excuse, but it's just, it is what it is. I had minimal time to stay in the word. I was doing the best I could. I had, you know, a 3000 year old computer. And my uh, my pastor came to me and he's like, hey, I want you to do a, a Sunday school lesson this Sunday. And now he told me on a Thursday. And so I'm like, okay, well, juggling everything I have in life, that doesn't give me a whole lot of time to really prepare. And, and so I sat down. I, I told him I would do it. And as soon as I told him that, I was like, dear Lord, what, what am I, what am I going to talk about? And I had recursed a sermon in my mind that you had told, uh, you know, about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And I remembered how much I really enjoyed that topic specifically and, and how much I enjoyed Elijah. I was like, I think I can do this. Hold on. So I get on my, you know, 3,000-year-old computer that looked like it was, you know, a brick. It was a laptop from, like, 1995. Wow. You know, so it was, it was, I, I still have it somewhere. It's, like, this thick. You know, we're talking yeah. two inches thick on the bottom. It, you know, it had, a, like, I think a 512 RAM. Wow. You know, it was nothing. <laughs> it ran Word. That's about it. Anything else, you were not going to convince it to do quickly. And so I'm I'm typing up this. I have my favorite Bible. And and when I when I do studies, I, I don't know about you, Mike, but when I do studies, I have twelve different versions of the Bible sitting out together. And I'm constantly looking at each one to see what each one says about the topic. Is that kind of is that kind of how you look at things? Well, fortunately I'm 
blessed with a software program no. uh, that I can do bring up as many versions, and then I got one that'll show me the original in Hebrew and Greek. And see, I I, I have that now. I have that now, but I didn't. I didn't then. So I had you know seven or eight different Bibles stacked out on my coffee table, and I'm you know looking through each one of them and finding what I wanted to do for this this uh, Sunday school lesson. And I remember my my pivotal moment for that was my favorite Bible that I use daily. I knocked off the table, and in an instant, I tried to grab it and I ripped the whole page off that I was teaching on. Oh man! Oh boy. So I taped it back up. I ended up putting the putting the lesson together, and I, I I mean everyone seemed to really enjoy it. But this is definitely going back to I'll, I'll let you have it back. But <laughs> this is definitely a, a topic that I love to to hit on. Yeah. Anyway, I guess what I was saying is that you know, in there after after they you know after our god came down and burned up all the wood pile and the altar and all the water and all that you know they got rid of they executed all of the priests of baal and so here you know uh and that was to show that you know there is a god in israel and here they're proving that there is a god in israel and david saying you know hey you're we're gonna lay out your court your carcasses for the birds to eat and we're showing that there is a god in israel um then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with uh, does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. There you go. Amen. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it. And struck the Philistine in the forehead, so that the stone sang, sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, and drew it out of its sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head with it. That would be impressive for a little grubby, uh, runt, city-faced runt uh, to do, because a the sword that he had, that anybody would have, a good fighting sword, is a little bit heavy. Uh, but Goliath's sword, you know, proportionally speaking, if he was six foot eight ish. I mean, uh, uh, nine foot eight. He'd have a sword to match that, and that'd be a William big Wallace style sword. Uh, and so for this grubby little kid to just draw it out of a sheath, I think obviously he can do it. But your two-handed battle be, sword is big for even that me. would be that would be something to see. Um, yes, sir. He, he was running on God's power, not his. Amen. That's that's what I was about to say. Is just that like was... he said, the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Let's see. Uh, and He uh, killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, 
and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley. It is interesting to note that none of those so-called brothers showed up. Yeah, and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to, Shar to Sharaim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from, the chasing, uh, from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. But he put his armor in his tent. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this young man is. Then, as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. And thus endeth chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. Well, that last part right there, and it tells you how arrogant and prideful and self-centered Saul was. David, in previous chapters, remember, played the uh, the harp to calm Saul down, and he was his armor bearer. Yeah. And uh, so that right there tells you he don't pay attention to people around him. He's he didn't pay attention, now. did he? <laughs> he's yeah. it's, it's kind of like he's kind of egotistical. Like, yeah. oh. Wait, there's someone better than I am. Yeah. But let me give you one more thing before we get out of here. And that is 51 after he's killed. It says, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. <clears throat> when we, when people, when our enemy knows uh, that he's defeated in your life through Jesus Christ, he's going to run. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's, we have to know that we have to know that we're in a battle and uh it is the battle in ephesians 6 10 and on that's where your armor's at and and um what paul is telling the ephesians right there is i told you all the previous stuff about living with your wife with your husband with your work with your salvation's by grace through faith you don't a lot of works your own. He's told us all that. Then the Greek word in 10 finally means, I told you all that so I can tell you what I really wanted to tell you. Yeah. And then in 12, he said, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So when they saw that they thought they were cocky, we, we got this, or, you know, it's over. When they saw that all their hope was dead, okay, they're gone. And the demonic activity, that's the way when Jesus Christ is in our lives. And we live defeated lives because we don't know how much of a conqueror he was or is and will continue to be in our lives. So we live with our faces down. This is no good. Or I'm going to die tomorrow. This is no, you know, life sucks, da 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 da, da. But when I'm standing up, and when Paul talks about this in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 2, when a, when a Roman army had defeated someone, they would bring in the captains along with all the spoil. And the folks that were going to be slaves or be integrated into the Roman Empire would be in the front, and 
and the ones that were going to be killed would be in the back, and they'd be parading them through the street. Mm. And they'd have this strong incense burning anywhere they went with this trail of people. And Paul talks about that, and he says, we, when we walk, we bring the aroma of life or the aroma of death. So when you and I walk into a room with Jesus Christ, we bring the aroma of life or we bring the aroma of death. And I know you've walked into rooms, people not know you, and they'll stare at you. And uh, I've had them even leave before. I've not even met them, not even, but that aroma of life or that aroma of death, it, it's, it's when we know who we are, the enemy's going to run because we're conquerors in Christ. Amen to that. Amen. So, well, um, okay. I think we've got to take a break here. But hang tight with us, Mike. We'll be we'll be right back. All right. All right, we All are right. back. We are back. So, well, we hope everybody really enjoyed this uh, wonderful conversation that we've had with Mike about uh, 1 Samuel 17 and David slaying the giant Goliath. We'll have to have Mike on oh, yeah. again because this has been hey, just been amazing. a question. Um, so, Mike, where are you? Where are you calling from? And I asked just because our last caller called in from his tractor out in the middle of the field, so that nobody would bother him. And so I'm just wondering. Well, I have uh, at the house. Well, I've got the bat too and cows back there, but they'd probably be a little noisy if they want something to eat. If I walked out there, but. <laughs> Uh, I'm, uh, my wife calls it my hole in my cave, and this is where I do all my studying, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's where I'm at. Oh, very good, very good. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, Not a problem. Uh, boy, I really enjoyed it. So, anyway, well, we're going to move. My- What's that? Keep going? I said it's been my honor and my privilege to talk with you. Briggs has always been special to me. It's- Nice to meet you, Jordan. And uh, I just, I told Sandy, I said, uh, I said, Brig sounds so mature. She said, Mike, it's been 10 years. I said, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I get. I guess a lot can change in 10 years. See, it? see, Mike knew me in my renegade time where I was kind of wild. I'm yeah. not going to lie. He- well, I, I knew you when you sit on the soundboard and make sure I sounded good. So <laughs> there is that because no one else could do that. Yeah. <laughs> not to toot, not to toot my own horn, but unless everyone wanted to see a whole bunch of beeps and screams in the sermon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I just love your family and especially your mom and dad, and and uh, I just uh, that is I'm just I love to see y'all. Well, ne- next time I make the trip to Texas, I'm going to have to roll up and see you because I run right through that area every time I drive through. Okay, cool. So, I'm going to have to, I- I- I'd have to cut up a little bit, but it's well worth the drive. Yeah. Well, there you go. All righty. So, fun facts about Texas. I figured that we'd start um, with the. Uh, some of the interesting names that you see in the towns and cities in Texas. Oh, okay. 
We had to do this. I figured, you know, I heard Gun Barrel City, Texas, and I was like, oh boy. What's the story on that? Do you actually know the story on it, Mike? Well, actually, it's a uh, it's, it's a young town. It's about they just celebrated their fifty year uh, of being in existence. And uh, to give you where that name came from, I cannot. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's a lake town. It's uh, this lake is uh, the Metroplex is. Y'all know what the Metroplex is. I don't have to explain that. But yeah. I, most of your Dallasites and those folks from up there, they come down and have their lake houses down here. So that's Gun Barrel's got a lot of the, you know, quick eating places and, you know, all the things you'd find out of the lake. And uh, so it's, uh, it has, <laughs> I, I won't say that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it's a, uh, it's it's an interesting little town and uh, it's right on the water, so uh, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I pulled it up on Wikipedia, so that's my source here. Um, but anyway, this is about Gun Barrel City, Texas. It says it takes its name from a former road, Gun Barrel Lane, which is now State Highway 198, and has its mo- and as its motto is uh, "We shoot straight with you." And it's symbol, a rifle with two crossed antique pistols after having... Yeah. Yeah. After having to remove Yosemite Sam as its unofficial mascot that once graced its signs along the roads of the city limits. Huh. I wonder why they had to do, to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's rumored that Gun Barrel Lane got its name during the 1920s and 30s when Jesse Daniels frequented the area. It was considered a safe backwoods place during Prohibition when the likes of Clyde Barrow and Bonnie uh, Bonnie Parker hung out in the area. Really? Interesting. So yeah. They hung out all around here. I mean, down Madisonville, they were down there too. So. Oh, they were. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's Gun Barrel City, Texas. Uh, it's in Henderson County. And the other one that I had in mind was... Uh, some it's a town or city that I've heard about from a while for uh, for a while from Dad. It's uh, Andice, Texas. Uh, interesting name, it? Andice. Andice, I don't know where that's at. Yeah, Andice is uh, just a little bit north of Austin. It looks like. Um, and now I heard a different story than I'm finding on Wikipedia, and the story that I heard is from Dad, and so I'll let everybody determine which one they like well, better. Well, and your dad probably heard it from his dad. Right, you know? right, right. True I don't story. know which one is true or not, but you know what? Um, I'll give you both of the stories, and you can decide for yourself which one you like better. But anyway, it says, um, Andice's name, and it's spelled A-N-D-I-C-E, like and, and then ice. So like B-Dice. Yeah. Everyone wants to say it's B-Dice. Yeah, but no, it's B-Dice. But anyway, Andice's name uh, dates back to 1899 when Reverend William Isaac Newton applied for a new post office to be named after his firstborn son, Audis, A-U-D-I-C-E. Postal officials misread the name as Andice or Andis and approved that name. Today, the common pronunciation of the name is Andice. Uh, taking the name's origin into consideration, the correct pronunciation is Andis. Uh, the latter is the pronunciation used by the older native residents 
but is rare amongst uh, younger generations and recent implants to the area. Now, that's from Wikipedia. Now, the story that I always heard from Dad, he, I remember the story going way back to when I was like six. We used to drive to Austin at least two times, sometimes three times a year um, from North Carolina, which is uh, where we are now. We used to drive there uh, at least twice a year for over 15, 16 years uh, to visit my grandfather, Lyons, who lived in Austin. Um, and whenever we'd drive to Texas, you know, we'd see cities here and there. And anytime dad thought of something that was interesting, you know, he'd tell us a little story behind it. And so Andice is one of them. And what he always said was that there was a storm way back in the late, I guess, late 1800s or early 1900s. And it was a relatively new city at the time, and they hadn't really decided what to call the place. And it was a really, it was a really terrible storm, and um, and there was a sign that said something like, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, water and ice or something like that. It was an advertisement. And after the storm, it ripped the sign in half, and all you had left was and ice. <laughs> and so they said, oh, well, that's good enough for us. And so they called it Andice, Texas. Now, that's the way that I've always heard it from st from dad. And I thought that was interesting. And so I looked it up and this is giving me a completely different story. Um, and so uh, I don't really care which one is true or not, but I'll let y'all decide. <laughs> uh, I kind of like my go. story better, but there you go. Um, so... Anyway, well, those are some two interesting names in Texas, Andice, Texas, and uh, Gun, Gun Barrel City. City, Texas. And there are many, many, many more interesting places like uh, Cut and Shoot. Uh, right, was it? Right by Con I know right where Cut and yep. Shoot is. That's right by Conroe. <laughs> yep. And, uh, uh, and Dime Box. Um, right. Bunch of different interesting places so anyway maybe i'll get to those later uh but for now I, I think that's all we've got for today so mike thank you so much for joining us and like brick was uh, brick was saying earlier we would love just love it if uh if you would uh, uh ask god's blessing on this podcast and pray us out of here absolutely heavenly father uh, as we open your powerful scriptures father we we get fed, and you tell us we're we're not fed by bread alone. We need to crawl up in your lap, Abba Father, and just lay our chest on, or lay our head on your chest, and find the peace we so desperately seek. And this world is 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 confusing to say the least, and dangerous to say the most. We are to be salt and light as we go out into this world. Many of us, especially these three men right here. Are, are diamonds in the rough, but when you put a rough diamond on a black back, black backdrop, it shines even more, and that's where we're at right now. We're to shine for Jesus Christ, and I, I just pray for these two men that I've had the privilege of talking with tonight and discussing you, Father. I, I pray the podcast would go out far and wide, and that your word would penetrate hearts, that people would stop and consider, stop and consider that a relationship with Jesus Christ is eternal, that he loves them unconditionally, 
that that blood that he shed on Calvary's cross not just forgives sin, the old language says it takes it like it didn't even happen. So if you're out there with a life that's, that's been hurting, uh, you've had people tell you you're not worth anything, you've got people telling you you never mount anything, you've got people telling you that you'll never get out of this, I want you to stop and consider what Jesus said. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. He knows every hair in your head. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He loves you unconditionally, and he's just waiting for you to turn around and fall into his arms. Please bless these two young men, Father, as they, they go out, as they live the life they live, as they reflect the sun, S-O-N, and as they just do what they're doing, and they do it boldly for you, Father. And I know the blessings would come. And I pray you protect him from the evil one as he's going to He's going to try to kill, steal, and destroy and lie and does what he does, but he can't penetrate the blood of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Mike. Well, I think that's all we Thank got for today. So uh, adios, and we'll see you all next time. Hey, guys. Brug Lance with the Texans Take Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us. Listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. 